On today's episode of State of the Rockets, we're going to be talking about Kevin Porter Jr.'s new extension to keep him in Houston, potentially. We're going to talk about Alperin Shangoon possibly coming off the bench, and we're going to discuss the preseason and how we think that may relate and reflect and translate into the regular season. So, welcome back. Welcome back to the premier Houston Rockets podcast. It is none other than State of the Rockets. I am your host, Roosh Willigan, the Master Don, coming back to you folks after, what, a three-month layoff? Listen, you can find me on Twitter at Roosh Williams. You can find me uh, hosting podcasts for Ball is Life called The Noble and Roosh Show. And you can also find me in the Rockets Watch Room. We'll tell you more about that. Um, And as always, joining me is my amazing co-host, Mr. Jackson Gatlin. Jackson, what's the deal, baby? Am I allowed to, Roosh? I do so many podcasts now. Am I allowed to introduce myself as the pod god if you're introducing yourself as the mastodon? I think I will. So Jackson, the pod god, Gatlin, you can find me on Twitter at JT Gatlin. Of course, I host Locked on Rockets, the only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. Uh, And we're going even more than daily sometimes. I've done six or seven podcasts in the last couple of weeks uh, occasionally. So you can find me there. You can also find me hosting the newest, coolest way to interact with other Rockets fans online. The Rockets watch rooms and spaces, the best way to watch live Houston Rockets basketball as well, as well as how to catch up and interact with other fans, basically spaces 2.0. And of course, right here on this podcast, state of the Rockets, the premier Houston Rockets podcast. Woo! so listen, it's, it's good to be back. We took a minute off. We wanted to make sure that we were not just coming back to, you know, hocus pocus, boogie and baloney, uh, you know, with nothing actually happening. Wanted to wait for some action. Preseason happened. Kevin Porter Jr. extension happened. Regular season is about to happen in a couple of days or in a day, depending on when you watch this. So it's only appropriate that we come back. Before we dive in, I just want to touch on that. Look, if you have any interest in watching Rockets games live or just having like live discussions when news breaks, like Kevin Porter Jr.'s extension, um, or even maybe re-watching old games, whatever it is, there's something called Rockets Watch. Go to Twitter, go to Rockets Watch. Even if you don't have a Twitter, click the link in the bio of the Rockets Watch account and just check it out. When, Whenever, basically Jackson, myself, and Clutch fans, if you guys know Clutch fans, we host live streams um, where we're watching Rockets games. We're on stage talking about it. You can listen to us. You can listen to the broadcast from the actual team if you prefer that. And we love them, so please do that if you want. Um, and you can simultaneously chat in a chat box, like with other, like live stream with other Rockets fans and come on stage, talk to us, whatever. It's like the most fun way to take in the Rockets. So definitely check that out. But we got a lot to talk about. Do we not? We do. On today's show, we're going to cover Kevin Porter Jr., his contract extension, how incredibly team friendly the terms are for the Houston Rockets. We're going to break that down. First and foremost, which is uh, just an age-old saying that we love using on this very podcast. Then we're also going to talk about Alperin Shingoon and the whole latest debate amongst Rockets fans. You know, Jonathan Fagan's article about maybe bringing Alperin Shingoon off the bench. What's the best thing to maximize his skill set, his abilities moving forward? What's the best thing for the Rockets overall, right? For Jalen, for KPJ, for the rest of the starters. We're going to talk about that. Also, we're going to kind of reflect a little bit on Rockets preseason. We've got four preseason games to draw kind of, you know, some ideas for what this uh, Rockets team is going to be moving forward, what they could potentially achieve this season. And hey, the season is right around the corner. So expectations for this year for this Rockets team. Roosh, let's start with the KPJ contract because again, I we woke up to this insane news and I was shocked because I basically had it painted. I was like, the, the safe play is don't extend him. Let him walk to restricted free agency next summer. That's the right move. That's the smart move. But I don't think anybody, you, me, Ben Dubose, Anybody could have predicted the fact that they were going to come out with non-guaranteed years threaded into this contract for Kevin Porter Jr. Well, it's a really unique structure. I don't I don't recall seeing a deal quite like this. Um, so credit to the Rockets front office and credit to obviously, uh, you know, Eli Whitus and Rafael Stone under studies of Daryl Morey. So when it comes, they, they may operate differently, the Rockets front office these days, but just in terms of the creativity of the deal structure. You kind of see some of that. So that's pretty cool. Um, look, four years, 82 point what, 5 million? Yes, sir. 
four years, 82.5 million, only 16 point, I'm sorry, only 15.86 million of that is guaranteed. If I'm uh, if I'm mistaken, please correct me, but but only 15.86 million of that is guaranteed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and ringing that, endorsement. <laughs> and all of that is guaranteed within the first year of the contract. So basically the Rockets have KPJ this year, then the, then the extension kicks in in the following season, 2023-24, and he gets that guaranteed money for the first year. And then at uh, on June 30th, 2024, the Rockets have the option basically to either waive him and then they owe him nothing or they can guarantee the following two years of his contract. And I think even when they do that, it's still partially guaranteed. I'm not 100% sure on that. So the, the years two and three potentially could be uh, partially or fully guaranteed. Again, if I'm wrong, please correct me. Uh, and then and then there's another trigger date in 2025, June 30th, 2025, to guarantee the final year of his contract. Now, look, I think it's best to think of this like a one-year 15, basically a one-year $16 million deal, right? Because the Rockets are going to get 18 months, almost two seasons, uh, two seasons, almost two years to look at KPJ, right? So they're, they're going to get this following season, then they're going to get the season after that. So he at that point, he will have had three seasons under his belt with Jalen Green, two seasons under his belt with Jabari Smith, and what, four seasons under his belt, three and a half seasons under his belt with Eric Gordon, all of whom at, at this juncture are centerpieces for the Rockets. And at that point, three years under his belt with Alperin Shangun. So core pieces, right? At that point, the Rockets are going to have a much better idea of what they're dealing with, where KPJ is in terms of both mental and emotional maturity, and just in terms of how he plays on the court, whether the numbers he's been putting up lately and, and at the end of last season were fluky, not fluky, but you know, are they going to consistently be like that? You know, where's he going to be? So they basically get two seasons to examine all of that and look at all of that before they have to make a decision on if they want to commit big money to them, uh, to him. And in the meantime, it, they have the cap space to do that. It also allows them the ability to, you know, they're, they're still going to have, I think, max cap space, at least one slot available. Um, or they could kick the can on the free agency. You know, they waive KPJ after that first year if things go south for some reason or whatever. And then for 2000, uh, what, 23 to 24, no, for 2024 to 25, they have all that max cap space still, right? And they can still do whatever they want with it. So I think it's a genius move. I think it's incredible. Not a genius it's a genius move, you know? It's, um, an, it's an, look, it's an A-plus move. Like, I, I don't know. It's a home run move. It's an A-plus move. Whatever whatever you want to categorize it as. They the Rockets, the KPJ extension. That's, yep. that's the way to put it. They, they made off like bandits with this deal. It was because, again, they had all the they had all the negotiating leverage in this situation, right? Because, again, the smart play was, hey, KPJ, all right, we, we like you. We're, we're bought in on you being a part of this team moving forward. But the smart play for any any rookie extension level deal that isn't like, again, uh, a Luka or a Zion or even recently you saw Jordan Poole, you know, get his deal, but he was playing for a championship caliber team, right? They just came off a title run. So his situation is just entirely different than Kevin Porter Jr.'s. So for a lot of rookies, you just you let them hit the free agency market, right? You let them test the waters of restricted free agency. And if the market is out there, then you match the deal. And the Rockets don't even have to entertain that now. They've got him on a relatively team friendly deal. All this club control for all these years moving forward. And we were kind of looking at this next season as, okay, you've got one year to figure out if you have something there with KPJ, right? This is the make or break year for KPJ. Now you get two of those. You get two back-to-back -back seasons on, again, a really team-friendly deal of seeing, okay, how can KPJ continue to grow and play, you know, alongside and with Jalen Green? Is he the future backcourt running mate for Jalen Green? How does he elevate the floor of everybody else around him, right? How does he bring up the other guys? And... Through the Rockets' first four preseason games, KPJ's looked really solid, right? There's an understanding as to why this organization probably came up with the, the contract structure that they did because they do view him as valuable and they are internally very optimistic about what he brings to the table and how good he can really be. But at the same time, it's still the pragmatic approach. Did I use that word right? Yes. There we go. See, I know how words work. Um, it's still Hold the pragmatic you, approach. What are, you, what are you trying to say that it means? To take it safely, right? To like... Pragmatic means you're practical, realistic. There we go. That's a, okay, then that's the realistic, practical approach. You know what? I shouldn't have tried to use a word outside of my lexicon, damn it. I mean, you this, can say the this, word, but the way this, you meant it... This, this always happens. You know what? I'm just going to... It is... Pra look, let me save you. It is pragmatic. It is, <laughs> it is because basically the Rockets are taking all the upside early, right? Because um, yeah. the fear, look, this is the fear, right? On one hand, you have the people that are saying, hey, uh, you know, 
Kevin Porter Jr. is totally worth it. You've got to lock this kid up. Look at the numbers. Look at the look at the um, the cap is going to spike. And when it spikes, 15 million is going to be nothing. You got to lock him up while you can. Four years, 60 million, something like that. A lot of people were saying that this summer. On the other hand, of that a lot of people were saying, "Oh my God, no! You know he's a restricted free agent. Let him go to restricted free agency. Play it safe. If someone wants to offer him a fat sheet, we can match it. The risk of that, of course, being that he balls out all season and he fit. You know he puts all the off court issues behind him, and another team's like, let's do it. You know, and then the Rockets are in a tough spot." And they're negotiating against that team without having the leverage. Doing this, they have all of the leverage. I will say it's funny because when you see Woj tweet this, right, the people that were talking about, oh, you got to extend KPJ, they took their victory lap like, oh, my God. And the people that didn't want KPJ, they're sitting there thinking, oh, my God, what have the Rockets done? Like, this is catastrophic. I saw both sides this morning when the tweet went out. And then you get the details and you realize it's a win-win, right? KPJ gets his money and he has an opportunity to secure more money, right? It's pretty much on him to play well and earn that and meet whatever the incentives are. And then the other side also wins because it's like, oh, the Rockets have all the optionality. So it's either going to, he's either going to pan out and they're going to look like geniuses or he's not going to pan out and they're going to be able to get out of the situation scot-free. So it's a win-win. I mean, it's a good day in Houston. It gives us some clarity moving forward. We can stop wondering and worrying about, you know, is KBJ going to be here? We know he's here for at least two more seasons. And he's looked really good in the at the end of last season. He looked really good in the preseason. His shooting has been, it's looked very real and reliable as one of the weaknesses of his game. And he was able to, so far, it looks like he can really shoot. So I'm excited, you know. It, uh, hopefully we can, as a fan base, we can put this behind us and just get to basketball. They they locked him up without actually committing the money to locking him up, which is the crazy part. Like, because now again, you have him under team control for four years without actually committing that money to him somehow. And again, that's that's a, an incredible amount of leverage by Rafael Stone. And I think it kind of tells you something about how KPJ and maybe his inner circle, his agent, whatever, was looking at the market and just figured, hey, this is the one team that makes a lot of sense that's actually gonna, you know, commit something to you where you have a chance to earn that top dollar, right? Like it's it, the ball is currently in KPJ's court for earning that entire mat, the entirety of the, the 82.5 million. He can very much achieve that. Whereas had he gone to restrictor free agency, he's basically able to bet on himself with the rockets rather than betting on himself on the open free agency market, which again is is an incredible deal an incredible contract structure. And you got to give a ton of credit to the rockets front office for engineering that in what I think is kind of the first time that we've ever seen a contract like this be put into place as part of like a rookie extension for a player in KPJ situation. But one of the things about, you know, the things as far as what stood out from KPJ's play in the preseason that you mentioned there a minute ago, right? His ability to shoot, right? His ability to kind of play off ball a little bit more and just his overall success at the end of last season, the start of this season has to do with the hierarchy, right? There's very, there's a very clearly defined hierarchy for this Rockets team now that was non-existent last year, or it was, it existed, but for those final seven games where we really got to see Jalen and KPJ like unleashed, and it very much feels like that's a continuation into this preseason and and hopefully into the season where Jalen is the number one option, KPJ is you know number two, maybe number one on certain nights if he's really cooking, whatever. Those are your two guys. Those are the two guys that you're playing through the majority of the game, and you're running all your offense through them, and that is what is currently being presented to Rockets fans as this big issue because how do you get those two guys to happily coexist with Alper and Shingun on the basketball floor who also needs the basketball in his hands to be at his most effective on the floor? And now we're kind of dealing with this debate where, hey, should LP come off the bench or not, right? Like if the Rockets are hell-bent on running the majority of their offense through Jalen and KPJ, then you're not getting the most out of Alper and Shingun if he's out there with them and if he's just being used as like a screen and roll big because that's those aren't his strengths right now. So I see both sides of the argument. I think in a in a in a wonderful like vacuum sealed like hypothetical 2K scenario, you could throw LP out there and have Jalen and KPJ like playing off of him and he's like the central hub offensively and all that. They might not want that. The Rockets may not want that. The coaching staff may not want that. They might want to really see what they have in Jalen and KPJ offensively and what the ceiling of a Jalen and KPJ-led offense looks like rather than deferring to the guy who is third or maybe even arguably fourth in the Rockets' pecking order, depending on where you put Jabari Smith Jr. in that hierarchy, 
and trying to run offense through him, which is kind of this big debate. Do you start him? Do you sit him? Do you let him run the second unit? All And I, I see merits or I see merit to both sides of the argument, honestly. Yeah, I mean, look, one thing I did want to say about KPJ's extension is 15, six, 16 to 20 million when the cap spikes, if his production continues at the rate that it has been, 16 to 20 million when the cap spikes, I think about 12 million or so is, is going to be a, I mean, that's a bargain. Like Eric Gordon's getting like nine, 18, 19 million right now. Right. Um, we could go down the list of players that are getting somewhere in that neighborhood of money. Um, and that's on this cap. It's not on the, you know, if you prorate that for the new cap, like that's, I mean, that could be potentially a steal. It could potentially be Rafael Stone's coup de gras. Stop it. Could be Rafael Stone's coup de gras. Uh, Mar- Marty and or Coop agree with the coup de gras take. That's all. Sorry. So, um, but I was last thing I was going to say is you got to give the Rockets credit because they traded for him. Um, you know, when no one else would, they totally rehabilitated his value so far. They're starting to get a productive basketball player. We're starting to see Kevin Porter Jr. grow before our eyes. And so if that process completes itself and it really turns out, you know, pans out in, in an ideal scenario for the Rockets, then you're, you're going to have to give them a ton of credit from the front office to the coaching staff to John Lucas for really playing an instrumental role in developing all that. So just wanted to point that out there. Long way to go. We'll see now. It, it is as- worth noting. I, I will. Sorry. Cause you know, I, I jumped the gun on trying to segue into the Shingun conversation. That's on me. I apologize. I'm a little rusty. We're, we're getting back into the groove of state of the rockets. I all that good stuff. Anything. I just wanted to read. <laughs> no. But um, it is worth noting that the, the sentiment right around KPJ organizationally, uh, you know, at, at Rockets practice, when we got a chance to talk to him about what the extension means, all that stuff, he constantly right. reiterates, you know, Houston is home, right? Houston is home to him. He loves this city. He loves the fans. He loves how this city has embraced him. It really does feel like a fresh start in his life. And I don't think anybody was more proud of the accomplishment of KPJ getting this this contract and what it means for him personally moving forward than Steven Silas, who had a, a really touching moment when asked about what this contract means, because Silas is, has a really deep emotional connection with KPJ, right? And, you know, that's obviously we want to, you know, give John Lucas's flowers for being an instrumental part in KPJ's development. Absolutely deservedly so. But Silas has been the head coach for this guy, right? And he came to Houston. He had his problems in the past. And Silas saw this, this really talented young man who everybody praised and said he is just the nicest, most genuine person when you get a chance to meet him, the way he interacts with staff, arena workers, all that. He's just a really good guy. And having Silas have that like connection with him and be able to grow and deal with you know the, the growth of him being a, a player, possible franchise cornerstone type guy, Silas trying to find his way as a head coach. Silas has talked constantly about how KPJ has helped him grow as an individual, as a person, and as an, as an NBA head coach. So to see him have a moment where he was just, he was at a loss for words when asked about what this moment meant to see for KPJ as the guy who has been an instrumental part of the organization that quote unquote saved his life. Remember his, his media day quote from a couple seasons ago. So, so I asked Silas about it today and he cried. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a really emotional moment and you could, you could feel just how honest that moment was and how raw he was being about, again, how much he genuinely loves and cares for Kevin Porter Jr. And that connection that Silas is able to establish with players does go a long way, I think, in the grand scheme of things. And and the ability to kind of him, you know, you know that coach has got my back, there's buy-in, guys play hard, they fight hard for him, that kind of thing. Um, so that kind of blends into the culture and some of the stuff that I think we're going to hopefully start seeing Silas establish this year after a couple of years of rough sledding, given all the other things that he's had to deal with during his Rockets tenure to this point. Yeah, and then I also think an underrated point to add is um, Christian Wood's departure, I think, really, KPJ will really benefit from from it, I think, personally, just just my opinion. Um, but, but on the court, basketball-wise, I think you immediately see uh, how much better Kevin Porter Jr. has played now that he can, now that they can actually like legitimately spread things out. And now that there's not a ball stopper on offense. And now that, you know, they're running screen and rolls downhill with Bruno Fernando and KBJ looks great running the screen and roll, which is probably the most encouraging thing I've seen all, all preseason. Cause if he can develop that and be elite at that, which I think he can just, just in terms of the skill that he possesses, but if he actually does it on the court, that's how you, put building blocks in place for a potential super superstar player, right? Someone that can run the, the screen and roll, kill you on it, whether it's him scoring, whether it's a lob over the top or a step back, someone that can ISO and shoot, catch and shoot, 
fine cutters like that. That's where it becomes real and, and you have something dependable and it's not just this elite ISO player. It's like, oh, this guy can get you. True Hooper, fast twitch. <laughs> fast twitch, step back, butter, silk. No, but um, but, we need uh, bald on stop on this podcast. You've got to hook us up with that. That's got that would be the greatest episode ever. I actually probably could get that, make that happen if you want. We could bring him on. He would probably love to come on and talk about Jalen Green and KBJ. If you want me to, we could talk about that. Anyway, so, but from a basketball perspective, I think he's really benefiting or gonna benefit. We've seen it in the last however many games of the season. Last year we saw it in preseason, whatever. So it it really. I think this season with the extension being under his belt now, right. He can feel good about that. And also mentally, like when you've had issues in the past and, and people don't trust you or you feel misunderstood or whatever, like I can personally speak from experience. I'm sure a lot of other people can. Sometimes when you think you're on the right path and you've been doing the right things and you're not getting credit for it, it disincentivizes you. It makes you say, Oh, you know what? They're still judging me with the same label that they used to judge me with, even though I, I feel like I have changed and, and, you know, righted my wrongs. And I think that's unfair. So if that's how you want to treat me, okay, whatever. I'm just going to go back to being that guy. Cause y'all don't seem to care either way. Right. That's that happens. So I think mentally to get the extension really meant like it, it gives him peace of mind. I think it gives him confidence so he can just get, get to the basketball um, on the court. I think Christian Wood being gone opens things up. Jabari Smith, I think helps Jalen green getting older helps. Um, and then he's just on his own. He's shown he's, he's, you know, the sense that I've gotten when I, you know, have asked around is that KPJ has done everything the organization has asked him to do, especially over the last four or five months, right? Season ends, whatever they wanted him to do this off season, he has done his job. And that's the sense that I've gotten. So it seems like both parties are really happy. I'm excited to see the kid grow and play. I was inconsistent and I was like not sold at a certain time and I'm still not a hundred percent sold that like he's you know the next James Harden or something like that but I do think that there's a real path for him to take that next step emotionally and, and mentally and in terms of maturity I think he's trending upwards in that direction and then same in terms of his actual hooping I think he's trending up as well so I'm really excited so with yeah, that, that the, the trend is incredibly promising with KPJ for sure. And I, that point you brought up about trust is I think a big one. There's, I think there's a lot of trust inherently between KPJ and the organization, and that's going to pay dividends further down the line. So on the vocab uh, tip though, do you know what inherently means? Apparently I don't, don't call me out on it. Okay. We're, we're trucking through. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to break out an SAT vocab book. I'm going to order one off Amazon and I'm going to like <laughs> atone for all my vocab sins because apparently I'm just letting words fly left and right that I think they mean something and clearly they mean the opposite. So it's a good thing I don't talk for a living. God. Sorry, I don't want to be that guy correcting you, but since we're since since I'm your partner, I feel like I owe it's you. a running joke at this point. So we might as well. We're just gonna turn it into a segment where you like quiz me on vocab words or something. No, I I digress. I use that word, right? I know what that, that one means. Yeah, let's, good. let's talk about the center battle. Okay. So Shangun, so you teed it up. So do you want to, do you want to continue or do you want me to respond? Uh, you can respond. I mean, I teed it up like an hour ago, but yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look, basically here's the deal. I want Alper and Shangun to start, um, just because I want to see him play. And I do think that he needs to learn how to play with the talent we have. However, and I was initially kind of upset when I saw that Fagan article. I was like, I don't get, I don't really get this. However, the sense that I get is that pretty much what you said, right? You got two guys in the backcourt, Jalen Green and KPJ, who are really awesome with the ball in their hands. And we've seen them both be able to create for themselves, score, create for others at elite levels. And that's, I mean, that's something to be excited for. The offense at the end of last season, the offense in the preseason was a lot of fun, right? And then you add Jabari Smith to that mix, who we've only seen for one game, but the, the options that he creates for you, also a ton of fun. And then we've seen Bruno Fernando. And, and I talked earlier about Kevin Porter Jr. running the pick and roll, and Bruno Fernando's made that possible because Bruno Fernando um, has the athleticism to catch the lob over the top, and KPJ can, can get it to him, you know, bounce pass in the pocket, get it between the seams, whatever it is, KPJ can do that. So I'm okay with it, right? Like I said, I can see a scenario where Bruno's like starting, you know, starting both halves, not finishing both halves or starting both halves and then doesn't come back in until like, you know, a while, right? They get Shingun some run. I, I feel like Garuba is not, I think Garuba is going to get some playing time. I don't know if it, it'll be a lot, but he will get some, I think. So 
I think I think it works. And then you let LP run the the second unit with the offense. He's the hub. Now you can feed him. He can get the ball post up, you know, high screen and roll, whatever it is. But like basically LP's most effective with the ball. We all know that, right? Because he's he's not a threat shooting the ball. He's really good with the ball. He can post you up and score. I think he was top five in the league in like points per post up or something like that among like the elites with with you know Jokic and what whoever else. Um and then he's also effective when he calls for the ball. He'll clap for the ball at the top of the key, get the ball, and then wait for cutters, wait for cutters, find you, right? So if you do that with Jalen and KPJ, you're taking the ball out of their hands. So I can I can see this, you know, this kind of chemistry if they if they aim to develop it like that from like a philosophical basketball perspective. I can see that working. Um, so I'm I'm cool with it, man. I mean, as long as he's getting the minutes, it doesn't matter how they come, right? I want to see him get at least like 20, I would like 27 minutes a night from Shingun. I don't know if he'll reach that, but um, hopefully he'll get close to that. Yeah. I, to your very first point that you brought up is right. It, does it does it ultimately matter if he's starting or if he is coming off of the bench if he's getting actual starter level minutes? Right. That, that's that's kind of my big takeaway question, whatever about this whole dialogue is. I don't think it matters. And to me. I'm really interested in the possibility of him still remaining the starter, but you kind of gauge on a game by game basis, right? Like you start him out, let him play the first handful of minutes. And if Jalen and KPJ are having a, you know, they've got a strong start to the night. They look good, whatever shots are falling. Awesome. Cool. You ride that wave. You sub in Bruno early into the game. He's the first sub off the bench and you let Shingun come back into the game later when KPJ and Jalen both check out to then run the second unit and you capitalize on a game where Jalen and KPJ look really good but you have to be able to make that like line change that coaching decision in the moment in the heat of battle whatever rather than just start you know start Bruno just because we want to get a better look at Jalen and Shingun with a vertical lob threat a, a guy who can you know rim run a little bit better than Shingun whatever because then you're basically hamstrung into the idea of, okay, well, Al P is only running with that second unit. And I am interested to see him get actual reps with Kevin Porter Jr., with Jalen Green, especially with how well we know KPJ can play off ball, right? He's got, he's, he was the best catch and shoot player in the NBA last season. So I don't see how you wouldn't be enticed by the idea of allowing Jalen and KPJ to play off of Shingun. That's why I said, you know, even earlier on, on paper, it makes a lot of sense. You have a guy who can be an offensive hub, who can play make, who can make life easier for those two guys. But that may just not be the way that the organization and the coaching staff kind of see it right now. They may want to test the waters with something else and really see, okay, does this type of offensive archetype with a rim running traditional big in Bruno Fernando take us to a higher ceiling than giving Shingun the rock and letting him create for Jalen and, and KPJ as they're you know playing off ball. Who knows? Uh, the good news is the Rockets have an entire season to tinker with lineups, to toy, you know, to, to, to test things out, to, to try new things. And I don't know which one makes more sense to try first it does kind of the the sense that I'm getting is like they might try it sooner rather than later with with Bruno maybe getting the you know potential starting nod in the lineup, which is you know I get that that's frustrating right. There's a lot there's an entire country that's pulling for Alperin Shingun and thinks he's a future star. Is it is it the right or wrong move? We're not going to be able to tell for a long time. Um, but in the moment, Rockets are going to get a lot of grief. You know, seeing as how Alpi looked sensational at points last year and now seemingly over the course of a two to three month summer, they basically gone, well, about that, right? About him being the starter, about him, you know, getting heavy minutes, whatever. Uh, they seem to, they seem to be cooling on him maybe a little bit or just maybe the expectations have changed. I don't know. Well, it's interesting, right? Cause in the last preseason game against <clears throat> Indiana, he played what 25 minutes. He was four of nine from the field, two of two from three, which, you know, that's not going to happen too often. Yeah. Uh, that two, one's an, that one's an anomaly. <laughs> two of two from the line, 12 points, four boards, two blocks of steel and five assists. So I'd have to go back and rewatch it. I don't know how much he ran with the second unit and how many of those assists came like with the second unit, but you know, theoretically I can see a stat line like that, right? Where you run him more with the second unit. And as a result of that, he's like playmaking a lot, five assists, six assists, you know, obviously, obviously if you're putting up 12, five and four with two blocks and a steal in 25 minutes, like logic would tell you, if you play 32 minutes, you're probably going to put up like 16, 17, eight and nine, you know, 
five, six, seven assists. It, go, it goes back to the argument from last year, right? Where you looked at his per 36 numbers exactly. and you're like, oh my God, this guy's a star. Like, why is he exactly. now starting? Right, right. Yes, basically. So at some point, they're going to have to find a way to optimize his talent with Jalen's talent, with Kevin's talent, with Jabari's talent. And, and they're all guys that, except for Jabari, they're all guys that need the ball in their hand. So you got three guys like that. That's tough. And then you had Eric Gordon. I mean, Eric Gordon's effective with the ball in his hand or he's going to be a spot-up shooter. You know, those are the two methods in which He's effective. He doesn't move off the ball. Jabari will move off the ball. But but the point is, a lot of ball to go around. How do you get the most out of this? You might have, like, too much talent. So we'll see what they do with it. Um, you know, like I said, I was upset at first, but I'm going to try to be patient. Um, you know, we saw how much development happened last season and is leading into this season. So, you know, same thing with this season, right? They they still don't have to be good. You know, I think they I think that they would be happy if they were good but they're not going to be tripping if they're not good. You know, they just want to see progress. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. And look, we'll see how big of a leap Kevin and Jalen took. I mean, I don't know yet, but they look so far. It looks like when they play without Christian Wood, they drop 20 a game, you know, Jalen looks unguardable right now. I'm just going to go ahead and put well, that out that, there that's, to be fair. And I love Jalen, but to be fair, that's when that shot, when the shot's falling, he's unguardable when he's on one of those off nights, you know, but he are we are we going into does that wrap up Shingun and then we're in the last segment uh, talking about the the last point that I wanted to share on the Shingun side of things is not only does him either a coming off the bench exclusively or potentially starting a game and subbing out early and then still you know effectively running the bench unit right I think it also serves the purpose of the Rockets really don't have a great backup option at the one, right? Like there's question marks about Dacian Nix. There's question marks about Ty Ty Washington being ready at this point. Um, you maybe can rely on like, I, I kind of see it as like, if they're, if they're bringing Shingun off the bench or if he's running primarily with the bench unit, you can kind of play make by committee with him and Jay Sean Tate a little bit and not have to rely exclusively on like, all right, Dacian, here's the ball. You're the only guy who can create on the floor for our guys, because there were moments in throughout the Rockets preseason where they only had one of like Dacian or Ty Ty on the floor and no other secondary creators. And the offense just, it looked bad. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I mean, I like, Dacian and LP together is going to be tough because Dacian's not a spot up threat and he's also not a cutter. And, and so that's another problem, right? So th there's, there are some problems across the board here, but you know, Josh is not a creator. He's not, a point guard at all. He's a bucket getter. Again, we've made the joke before on Rockets Watch and in other podcasts that I, I call him a combo wing because he doesn't have any one in his game. So he's not a combo guard. He's a combo wing. Um, so I'm just at this point where LP could really help elevate that that second unit for the Rockets and other guys that are going to be on that second unit, right? KJ Martin, Tari Eason, guys who have the athleticism and can play without the ball and be the, the cutters and buy into this identity of how you're supposed to play to maximize LP when he has the basketball rather than trying to bend Jalen and KPJ to that mold and taking the ball out of their hands when they're so good with it. So they, and they could be good without the basketball, right? We know Jalen can play off ball. We know KPJ is a fantastic catch and shoot player. Maybe that is the like final evolution of this team further down the line after Al P gets those bench reps potentially, or, or he gets, you know, more established, more comfortable in his role as an NBA player. Maybe that's what this team could look like further down the line. But right now, I think they want to identify what the strengths and weaknesses are for Jalen and KPJ and the way that they can run, like the primary unit, and then identify and maximize the strengths that Al P brings to the table uh, in a second, you know, without sacrificing those reps for the uh, for the backcourt. Yeah, last thing I'll say about Shingun is there is a world where the final form of this iteration of the Rockets is some beautiful, heavenly, melodic blend of Jalen and KPJ's ability on the ball, both for themselves and both creating for others, and them using their athleticism to revolve around LP and cut. And just that's when it becomes unstoppable. When you can, when you can ball don't stop, you know, tween, hezzy, boom, boom, your way to buckets. When you can do that and create for others and run a pick and roll downhill and throw lobs and find shooters. And then when you have baby Jokic able to go for stretches of the game, posting up or running from the high post and cutting and Jalen's an elite athlete and Kevin's a really good athlete. That's when you're unguardable as a team. And, and we haven't even talked about Jabari spotting up and, you know, crashing to the basket, operating from the elbow, triple threat, rising and shooting. When, if he hones his ability to drive at some point, like, there is a final form of this team that is playing crazy basketball. Now, do they get there? 
we, you know, that Kanye meme. <laughs> yeah. we'll never the, the, know. You know, we may never know. I don't know, but but this but this could be that that the ideal avenue to potentially get there, right? Because again, right, if you, right. if you well, make that argument, right, you put them. Yeah, and that's what I, that's that's the takeaway, right? Is like again, the rockets aren't necessarily. I I get this sentiment that the rockets are. Oh my god, they're out on Shingun. They they don't believe in him anymore. No, this is the idea. Is they're trying to maximize everybody, right? They're trying to see what they have across the board in the one final year that they have, where the wins don't matter, so they can. They can mess around. They can do certain things. And this could be the best avenue to get those guys the reps they need to then be even closer to that final form further down the line. Totally agree. And with that, let's talk about the actual basketball, man. Uh, preseason it was fun. I thought preseason was really fun. I thought they played really well. Um, I thought there were stretches where they played poorly, obviously, because, you know, you had the third stringers in, third stringers in or just – weird rotations or combinations or whatever. When the key guys were out there though, they looked good. They looked really like, they good. They looked really good. They looked really good. And we only saw Jabari for one game. Now that granted they played the Spurs and the Spurs sat a couple of their guys or they just weren't available for whatever reason. They played Miami and Miami sat Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry and Bam, obviously. Um they played Indiana and Indiana sat Tyrese Halliburton. Um Toronto and- didn't sit anybody except Maybe OG, I think. No, Toronto. No, Toronto played OG. I think. Let me let me double check. I think they played OG. They sat Van Vliet. Um, oh, that that was their key. I knew they were missing one key piece. I was trying to remember off rip who it was. Yeah. Um, I think it was Van Vliet. We'll just go with that. No, Hopefully it definitely was Van Vliet. I'm just trying to see. No, OG played 20, 23 minutes. So there it is. And if you watch, the, I think let, let's talk about the the Toronto game, right? I think the Toronto game was you know, the best sample that we saw because they were playing against a team, a good team, a playoff team that was missing Van Vliet, albeit you could say he's their best player. He is one of their best players. But regardless, they were missing him and the Rockets were missing Jabari Smith. So, you know, whatever, right? And, and Alperin Shingun due to dental work. That's right. And Alperin Shingun, good point. So they were starting, uh, and and Eric Gordon. They missed Eric Gordon as well. So the Rockets were missing three key players. Um, but the Rockets starters outplayed the Raptors starters, the Rockets rotation players outplayed the Raptors and they, they held on to the lead and, and didn't end up losing it. But I mean, we saw Kevin Porter jr. Had what he was four of 10, 15 of five started slow, then picked it up. Jalen green, 23 points on 16 shots, seven of 16, like not incredible eye popping numbers, but they just played good basketball. KJ Martin, 13 points, five boards, three dimes, two of four from three. Jay Sean Tate. I think that's the game he got hurt. Right. But he had seven points, five boards, two assists. He hit the only three he took. Like they, they, looked like a team that finally embodied the identity of, Hey, Steven Silas is an offensive genius, right? Like they look like a team that is offensively potent and versatile. Some of that is bailout isolation play. So that's fair. That's a fair criticism, right? Um, it, it's a, it's one of those things that's a criticism and it's a compliment. It's kind of like, yeah, they got bailed out by like badass players. So you can't necessarily rely on that for 82 games, but Kevin Porter Jr. was hitting tough shots. Jalen Green was hitting tough shots. And that's what those guys do. You add Jabari Smith in there. Um, I mean, Tari Eason, good Lord. I, let me let me see his numbers. I forget. I'm pretty sure he probably from had. The, from the Raptors game, it was 24 points on 8 of 15 shooting, 8 boards, 1 assist, 2 steals, shot 2 of 4 from 3, and 6 of 6 at the charity stripe. I mean, Tari looked like a monster through preseason. And my one like silver lining takeaway from Jabari not being available throughout the preseason for the for for the final three games was that, man, Tari got some serious run because other guys missed out. And again, namely Jabari, because he would have been a guy getting, you know, 20, 25, 30 minutes on any given one of those nights. And we probably would have gotten a, a much smaller sample size of what Tari Eason could actually do on the floor. And he's just a guy that goes out there. You don't have to run plays for him. And he just makes stuff happen on both sides, offense and defense, just and has this motor that is nonstop running 24-7. The guy does not stop hustling. Yeah, no, he doesn't. I love him. I, I'm so excited to watch him, um, and I'm confident that he's going to play. So the Raptors game, for example, right? They went up nine at half. Um, competitive game. Both teams were actually playing their guys until, I think, probably the fourth quarter, early fourth quarter. Um Rockets were up nine at half. They come out now in the third quarter you, against a good team. It's I think we we would expect the Rockets to come out and shit the bed in the third quarter, right? They came out and they outscored Toronto by four, and they held them to twenty three points. So after scoring fifty six in the first half, Toronto did twenty eight per quarter. They held them to twenty three points, and that's the kind of thing where it's like, whoa, I don't want to read too much into a preseason game. And we've already qualified this by talking about Fred Van Vliet being out and Gordon and Jabari and Shangun also being out. But 
that's pretty impressive. Like the Raptors try. Nick Nurse is definitely not sleepwalking. Yo, Nick Nurse was full court pressing, all right? Nick Nurse was trying in this game. This yeah. was not like a preseason dress rehearsal where they weren't, again, they were missing Van Vliet. Sure, you make the argument the Rockets were missing three starters in Shingun, Jabari, and, and EG. Well, so, Shingun. well, two two possible starters and one guy who's going to get starters minutes. There we go. Sure, whatever. Whatever way you want to dress it up, the Raptors were trying in this game, and the Rockets looked like the better team. Yeah, yeah, they did. So, that was encouraging to me from like an identity effort perspective. It's one of those things where it's like, now we're, we're going to see who they are and we're going to find out. We're going to see if they do that regularly or if that was just an isolated preseason thing. We don't know. But those are the types of things that if they do that consistently, you mark that, you put a flag on it, you highlight it, and you're like, okay, that's improvement. That is tangible. That's a tangible jump that this is ta- that they, they are taking as a team. So that's exciting. You touched on Tari. I mean, like you said, you don't have to call action for him. You don't have to do anything for him. He just has a nose for the ball. He's an incredible offensive rebounder. He has an incredible instinct for where the ball, like Rodman esque. I think John Lucas made that comparison. He just knows where the ball is bouncing, you know, like bing, 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 you know, it doesn't matter. He's there. Um, and then also, man, Jabari Smith. We haven't talked about Jabari Smith enough, right? So we only saw him for one game. But he was the truth. I mean, he was pulling threes. He was pulling up in transition. He was catching and shooting. He was cutting and going to the basket after a miss and getting easy buckets. Defensively, we saw his impact. You just, and size-wise, like you're just you feel confident because you look out there and it's like, yo, there's a there's a legitimate six foot eleven guy that plays like it, which is the caveat because they had a six foot ten, six foot eleven guy who didn't play like it. But there's a six foot eleven guy who plays like it, who protects the rim like it, who defends like it, and he can move like he's like six six, you know, or six eight or whatever. So it's like, whoa. And we only saw that for one quarter. So you add all of that together, and then you look at, you know, hopefully incremental improvement. Guys like Garuba should get a chance. And I think he's we saw him in the preseason pretty much doing what Garuba does, keeping offensive rebounds alive, causing turnovers, blocking shots, stealing it, kind of doing that awesome little trot he does in transition, um, getting putbacks, you know, just so we'll see guys take those types of leaps. And man, I don't want to get too excited. I don't want to overreact from the preseason. I've said that a million times. And the NBA is very good. The West is very good. The East is also very good. So it's like, you don't want to get ahead of yourself, right? But the Rockets look like they should win a few more games this season. Yeah, I, I basically, also, Garuba does that little jog because of his lanyard, just as a heads up. Um, no, but... <laughs> No, so a uh, little inside joke there for our returning, hopeful, hopeful returning State of the Rock. We're going to publish this and get like 10 views on YouTube because we haven't published a video in three months. I kid, I kid. Um, we'll no, I, the, the entire team, like the, the the physicality of some of the guys at the forward spot, the big spots for this Rockets team, Bruno, Tari, KJ. KJ, I think, is, is maybe the guy who... Look, I was super impressed with Jalen. Basically, every single game that he played legitimate minutes, so outside of that Spurs one, he was basically scoring like a point per minute before like garbage time kind of hit. Um, That's been my tagline. You just stole my tagline. Was that your tag? I'm so sorry. Like, was that your tagline? My bad. You take it. I've been it. saying it's that all preseason because if it's, you look at it, it's true. It's like 23 and 25, 25 and yeah. 28, all right. 33 and 30, whatever it is. So. Cre- credit the Mastodon. Uh, so point per minute for for JG. He's been fantastic, right? He's he's looking like a future uh, scoring champ for the NBA, right? Scoring with ease, scoring at all three levels, and the number one thing, right? Getting to the free throw line and converting those at uh, above a 95% clip. I think he shot 95.5% in preseason from the free throw line. So if he can be a kind, if he can be a two guard that is flirting with like the 50, 40, 90 club, I don't see how that's not a perennial like all star further down the line and very clearly a tier one option on a championship team one day. But Based he was on fantastic. Based on my very quick math, mentally in my head um, and my memory, because I didn't look up each box score, I think he scored 81 points in 82 minutes. That's that's bananas. Not not counting not counting the Spurs game. That's ridiculous. He's <laughs> he's so just uber talented, and you can just see it, right? You talked about the te- the bailout plays, right, against the Raptors, and there were even some of those against the Heat, where you're just like. Yo, Jalen and KPJ are just so damn talented. They just find ways to make things happen on the floor. And you need some of that. Like you, you need a structure, you need an identity, you need a scheme that works to rely on, you know, for the majority of the game. But sometimes when it gets down to it, when you need a bucket in crunch time, you just need a guy to be to go out there and get you a bucket. Go be more talented than the other team. And Jalen can do that. KPJ can do that. And that's their that's what they have as far as just a skill that makes them so so damn good on the floor. But 
KJ was the other guy. Again, I, I started talking about KJ. Having him play the three for the Rockets and seeing the growth that he's, you know, the strides that he's made with his game to where he looks more comfortable with the ball in his hands, although there was that... <laughs> There was that one possession that he brought the ball at the floor in transition, and he's just carrying every single dribble. Like, but to be fair, the entire NBA does that. So, I mean, it was it was pretty blatantly obvious, though. Uh, but legitimately, he looks more comfortable, like in the half court, attacking off closeouts, playing that three spot. The shot looks very real for KJ Martin, and even just his ability to to drive, attack off a closeout, and then make the right read, right? Kick the, you know, kick the ball cross court, you know, when he's driving baseline to the corner shooter or just making the, the right extra pass at the top of the key to the next guy, uh, you know, right next to him on the wing and gets an open three that way. KJ's looked really solid. And I've kind of, obviously we had the offseason stuff, you know, the, 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 the trade request, the drama with his, you know, with his dad not being happy about his role, like all this stuff. And... Like I'm, I was at a place where I thought, man, KJ's probably a goner. But the way that he's played throughout throughout preseason, the way that he's played throughout training camp, uh, you know, the way that he is again, everybody loves having KJ around, right? The, like, there's no like bad blood between him and anybody else in the locker room. Like, it's all good vibes. It's all looked like it's on the up and up. I mean, I think he's easily one of the best like eight or nine players on this Rockets roster, and I, I definitely want to see him continue to have a role for this Rockets team because. He, he fits a need that they have where you look at KJ and he's like, all right, well, when he plays the four, he's an undersized four. Yeah, he can jump through the gym, but like, you know, he's playing out of position almost at the four spot. You play him with three, six, seven, can jump out of the gym, good size, good on-ball defense, now has a more well-rounded offensive game. And again, he gets within 10 feet of the rim and he just takes off and soars through the air and yams at home. He's a perfect fit for what this Rockets team wants to do. I agree, man. The athleticism is elite. If the three-point shoot shooting continues the way it has, um, obviously that's a that's an incredible sign. He's starting to drive and create for others, kicking it. You know, we've seen him be creative with that. Um, and again, the athleticism is elite. I mean, he just gets so far above the rim on both ends of the floor that it's like it, it is an absolute weapon. So, is he the best athlete you've ever seen? I don't know about ever, but I say this frequently, and I mean it his vertical, his hops. So he's got some of the craziest hops I've ever seen for sure. Off memory, man, it's like top five hops. It's crazy. His bounce almost feels like it doesn't, it's like he's levitating when he jumps. Like you see like, you see like still shots, right? Of somebody who gets him like mid flight. And it looks like he just got up there like a pogo stick or something where he jumped off a trampoline. And he's just up there. Like feet sometimes are like flat, like in the air. And you're like, what is this Photoshop? Like what's going on? Well, it's one of those things. Like the way, you know, it's real is because you can tell in real time because I can't, I'm like, I can't jump. Right. So I'm, I don't have reference point for jumping. I don't have, I, I'm, I'm also very grounded. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't have an impressive vertical. So, um, but guys that you watch at that level, there are guys, there, there's two guys that I can think of, three guys I can think of off the top of my head. One of them is KJ, Michael Jordan, Vince Carter, KJ, Michael Jordan. I remember you watch him jump and like he would land somewhere else. You know, he would land somewhere else and he would do several things before finishing whatever his move was. And you were like, yo, how did he do that? And, and you know, cause you're watching in real time, you know, like that was abnormal. He was in the, he was in the air for an amount of time that I could tell in real time wasn't normal. Cause this kind of thing, you know, it, it's negligible. Once you get to a certain level, like you can't tell the difference between, I don't know, you know, dunker X and dunker Y because they're both pretty good dunkers, but KJ's like a sliver above those guys. And you can see it in real time. Same with Vince, right? He would get so high up that you'd be like, yo, how did he get that much of his arm into the rim? Or like, how did he make that look so easy? He jumped from over there. Like, that's insane. And same with KJ. You'll see him just get up and you're like, yo, he just jumped from like almost the elbow of the free throw line. And he like finished with, you know, half of his forearm in the rim. Or like, or like the block he had, I think it was against Miami, right? Where he went up vertically. Yeah, Maybe it was Pacers. No, I think it was Miami. It goes up vertically and he just hung in the air for so long. And had enough time, like hung and like hung with the guy. And then the guy was falling and shot and KJ was like, boom. Like, that's how, you know, he was just like waiting, boom, block. Like that's, I mean, dude, it, it's, it's something else. So that's special, right? He's not going to have that forever. So I hope the Rockets are able to use, you know, get the most of him while he's like at that prime. Cause right now that's, that's the biggest asset of his game. The other stuff's complimentary. Um, but that's why he's a weapon that like he has that elite attribute. So I'm totally with you, man. I mean, I could even see a world. I could even get down with the world where he's the starting three and you're bringing Eric Gordon off the bench. Um, and Eric Gordon is like technically your backup point guard and Alperin Shing, you know, it's Gordon bringing it up. 
getting it to Shingun to post up or getting Shingun in the high post, something like that off the bench, you know, I don't know, but KJ has been awesome. I mean, Tari's awesome. It's, it's weird. There's, there's a lot of talent on this team and it's never supposed to work out like that. Right. It's never, it, it very rarely works out to where you draft your core, right? People are going to say the Warriors did it. The Grizzlies did it. The Hawks, maybe you could say the Hawks. Yes. Right. They drafted like a core of, you know, players. Maybe the Grizzlies are different. I don't know all who all they drafted. The Grizzlies might be the, the exception here, but you look at the Warriors, you look at the Hawks, for example, their core was drafted. Draymond Curry, uh, Steph, what Draymond Curry, Clay drafted, right? Uh, if you can remember anyone else off the top of your head, let me know. The Hawks, John Collins. Uh, Lo- Looney was drafted, right? Like they, they brought in Looney. Uh, the, the only guy on the Warriors that wasn't drafted that's a key part of what they're doing was Wiggins because he came via trade. Well, I'm, I'm even talking about like the first Warriors, like the fourth. Oh, okay, got you. Like further back. Yeah, well, like Barnes, Barnes, Barnes was drafted. Barnes was drafted. That's a good point. How they started it, right? And then they eventually and traded Barnes. Jordan Poole, most recently, just got the bag. So a lot so of drafting was, success. So my point is, though, it's, it's rare that you see a team draft its core and its role players like that then become a title team right like the hawks i think they drafted what kevin herter trey young john collins um okongwu hasn't really been like that big of a yeah he's still he's still kind of fresh so but they they had they traded for capella um they traded for Dejounte murray they traded cam reddish uh they still have what deandre hunter i think so it's like some of those guys Yes, but I'm but I mean it's weird because the Rockets like yeah they traded for KPJ, but they drafted Jalen, they drafted Jabari. We'll see what happens. They drafted Shingun. We'll see what happens with that. Um, they drafted Tari. They drafted KJ, and it's like these guys are. I mean they're starting to look like you know the building blocks of a real team. Now I'm not saying they're going to be able to draft the entire core, but they have. Uh, you know I mean they still have Garuba, Josh Christopher, Ty Ty Washington. We'll see if those guys hit, but if they don't, it's okay because of the names I just mentioned. And then they have another draft pick presumably this coming season and Milwaukee's, which we won't even count for now, but presumably potentially another top 10 pick. And at that point you're like, man, they could really put together a legitimate like seven of, you know, homegrown talent. Don't want to get ahead of myself. And, and, and then if you have that legitimate seven or maybe even eight, right. Of homegrown talent, you get that one guy to like, take it all over the, over the top, right. That one big splashy trade or free agency signing to really to fill the biggest gap which they'll be able to get with max cap space and the trade assets they have. So it's like optionalities has been kind of the way that they, I think that's, if I had to put a word, if I had to use a word to label Rafael Stone's approach or mantra, it would be optionality. Yeah, that was like the big buzzword going into his rookie GM season was like they kept saying the word optionality over and over. And it would I think it became like a bit of a meme at one point, like with the Rockets front office optionality. It's one of the it's one of those NBA buzzwords you would hate. So, like, I find it funny that you're circling back to using it now. I do hate it. Um, But, you know, this is the world. Positionless basketball. (laughs) Yeah. Buzzwords. Metrics. War. Warp. Anyways, um. So can, can you do ball don't stop, but like with advanced metrics, true shooting percentage. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's actually a good one. We should go there one day. Um, but regardless, no, well, we know we were going to do this. It's going to be a new segment. We won't do it today, but we're going to have a segment that we will revisit from time to time called words. Don't stop where we select. We will select a category. We'll do something fun where we have like you, the listener, pick a category for Rush and I to prepare for. And we have to do words. Don't stop following a specific category and deliver it in the cadence of ball. Don't stop. So it'll be a ton of fun. We'll figure that out for next time. Desserts, panna cotta, chocolate ganache, fruit tart. Anyway, so, um, regardless, hopefully that's what we're seeing. Now on a basketball tip, look, like I said, I'm just going to do like a quick gloss of the main players and and what I liked that I saw Kevin Porter jr. The shooting has carried over. Um, he's, he looked like Harden a couple times. I know people hate that comparison, but he really did. I mean, he, he, uh, made a defender like, you know, chop and then step back and pulled the three. He's gotten to his spots in the mid range and he's been, he's looked really good at it and he's running the pick and roll really well. Sometimes he throws it over the top to Bruno and it doesn't connect. They'll get that chemistry, but he has looked really good with uh, some no look passes in the pocket through the seams. He's been hitting shooters in the corners. Like I'm impressed. I want to see it continue. I want to see what he looks like in the regular season when he actually plays like 32 minutes a night. And if he can keep that up, if he can look out, Jalen green just looks more mature. It looks a year older. It looks more confident, looks more fluid, looks stronger. Ball don't stop. There you go. Right. But 
I mean, he's just put it all together. He's a scoring machine. He's and, and he's getting to the line. You said this. He's getting to the line more, which is important because that's the difference between him averaging 17, 18 points and him averaging like 23 or 24 points, right? If he's getting to the line like that, he could really, really light it up. Um, and you were talking, and you you mentioned right uh, talking about KPJ looking better in the pick and roll. Jalen looks more comfortable in the pick and roll. Like his ability to navigate the pick and roll. Both he's had a couple times where he's like missed the connection with Bruno like over the top. Like he needs to get a little bit more accurate with throwing that lob pass over the top of the defense. He but he's been- he like flipped it and Bruno got it. Yeah, like I mean Bruno barely got it, but he got it. You know, still two points is two points, but. Uh, he's he's kind of had that. We, we started calling it right the little shovel pass or like the dump off pass, whatever, where he sucks in the defense and he's like right there at the cup and he's he he's connected it. with Shingun a couple of times, right? Where he like scoops it off to the side and he like, he leads the defense with his eyes and everything. Like it's almost like a look away where he's just completely faking out the defense to where the big coming, you know, cutting over from the dunker spot gets a wide open dunker layup. And so that has been a nice little development in, in his game too, where he looks comfortable, kind of his timing, how he's reading defenses especially coming out of the pick and roll and being able to get to those spots in the paint without just oh i'm just gonna you know i'm just gonna go 110 miles an hour and drive in and you know smoke the layup at the rim it's all right no i'm gonna you know i'm gonna attack i'm gonna pull it back a little bit okay i'm to be now fair, i'm going in change fair, pace he's done, that. he's done that where he's gone bendy the jet to the to the to the rack and smoked it but then he's, he's had adjusted. a couple of those yes but then he's adjusted and he uses there, there's a couple times uh in one of the most recent games where he used his shoulder i, I remember specifically twice hit the dip and then finished. Um, he finished once. And then the other time he hit the dip and got fouled and went to the line and got two free throws. So it's like, you see the maturation, you see him finally understanding like, Hey, I can score and no one can stop me from back here. I can step back and shoot. I can drive and finish. I can get to my mid range spot. I can drive and dump it off or flip it off or whatever. Take it right at miles Turner and then give him the too small treatment. Um, like that was, that was some Jordan, like athlete. I mean, even if it wasn't Jordan, it was like John Morant esque. So that was incredible. So yeah, I love it, man. He looks he looks like he's growing. Looks like, you know, we're watching them grow before our eyes. KJ Martin, we talked about. Jabari Smith looks NBA ready. The shot looks real and ready. The impact on both ends of the floor is readily apparent. He moves, he's cutting, he's active. He's just the kind of teammate that may, you can tell raises the floor. You can you can tell he already raises the floor. Um Eric Gordon Plus, I'm so sorry. Plus, Jabari's just such a likable kid. He's so funny. Like, he comes in first media availability he does right after the end, or first time we got to chance got the chance to talk to him after he was sidelined because of the injury. Comes out, you know, Fagan's like, "So, what have you learned? You know, being out due to injury." And he goes, "What did I learn being out due to injury? Don't get injured." Like, it was just so like just he's he's funny. He's a he's a very He's got like a charming personality, right? Very charismatic. And that's that that goes a long way when building rapport, building that chemistry with your teammates. Yeah. And look, it, it goes a long way to like if all your swagger and attitude is coming from your guards, that's one thing. But when you have that voc that vocality, like the a vocal guy, vocality, is that a word? That might not be. You can get me there. But a vocal guy. Man, I, I think I think you're on some uh, Jackson Gatlin BS. I don't know if vocality is a word. <laughs> oh, I threw that one in there. But a guy who is audible. Um, but a guy that's like loud and he, but he's your big, right? It's like, I don't want to, he's not Kevin Garnett or I don't think he is. And so I'm not making that comparison one-to-one directly, but like, that's the best comparison I can think of just in terms of a loud, you know, strong attitude, big at your back line, having your back, like, you know, the big dogs back there barking, right? It just gives a different vibe and feel to the team, a different bite to the team. You know, now your guards can get in someone's face and they know, like I know it's like a stereotypical, you know, NBA adage and it's from the nineties and, and some people think it's stupid. And when Charles Barkley says it, it's like, Oh man, you, old man, you're living in the past. But when you're on the court competing, yeah. Having that big guy behind you, that's, that's ready to have your back on the court. Not even if you fight or whatever, but you just know the big dog's got my back and he's in there talking and he's anchoring the defense. And when you're on offense, he's talking and talking like, and when you make a big play, he's there barking. We've seen him on the sidelines getting up and cheering. And like, you know, I think he looked at someone and taunted them from the sideline. Like he's got an attitude and a swagger. And when that's coming from your six foot 11, you know, number three draft pick that matters. So I'm super excited about watching him grow. Um, Eric Gordon shot looked good. He looks like the same old Eric Gordon and the shots on. There's really not much else to say. He, he really looked like the same old Eric Gordon when he get, got to his dribble one package, went through the legs like 10 times, drove it through the top of the paint, circled it back out to three and then drained a three. Nobody else touched the ball that possession. I had that moment. We were watching that game in Rockets watch and I, we all of us collectively groaned and we were just like, we never want, I'm just, we need to dead that behavior immediately. We don't need to see that version of EG anymore. Bring me the version of EG 
CG we got against the San Antonio Spurs. That version of him spotting up and just playing more so in his lane in a, in a very specific role offensively is the version of veteran EG that I want to see on the floor if he's going to be in the starting lineup. I agree with you. So, look, with that said, unless there's more that you want to get to, uh, do you want to do some predictions for the season? I'm not honestly a huge fan of like predictions, so to speak. I think um, predictions are stupid, but I mean, yeah, like, uh, like, what are we going to do? Look, I, I'll be, I, I think, the I don't value, know, like KP, like KPJ most improved, maybe like, is that like a no, prediction? No, I, like, I think the value in predictions is just looking back and being and, and comparing the reality of whatever happens to like where your head was at that time. I would say we, let's do, let's do some, let's do stats predictions for Jabari, Jalen and KPJ. And then let's predict win loss. All right. Sounds good. Um, who do you want to start with? And are we doing like all their stats? Or are we just going to do like, we'll do points for Jalen, like maybe something else for KPJ. Like, how do you want to do this? We'll we do did not set this up before we hit record. We're, We're so bad at this. We're going off the time. Dude, it's live content. Let's get it, baby. Well, basically. Jabari will do points, rebounds. KPJ will do um, points and assists. Jalen will just do points. For Jalen, uh, let's start with Jalen, I guess. We'll start start with the top. Um, the cream of the crop, if you will. No. Doing my best Mastodon impersonation. No, uh, let's go. Uh, I'm going to go 22 a game for Jalen. Okay. Okay. 22 a game. I'm going to say 20.3. 20.3. Okay. All right. I, you know, and I, maybe I'm buying, maybe I'm buying too much stock after the preseason, you know, that he had, but it's just, I don't know how he doesn't maybe even start getting closer to like 23, 24 this season. I know that's a crazy like year two jump to make, but he just makes it look so effortless offensively. Well, he's and I know have, it's not going to be the case every game, but he's going to have off nights. He's going to have nights where, you know, maybe he's out of the game early because it's a blowout they're losing, or maybe he's out of the game early or maybe not even out of the game, but he's just not dropping that many points because they're blowing someone out earlier. So, you know, you know, those kind of games, right? Where it's, it's like, it's the, free, it's the free throw shooting for me though. Like if he's able to get to the line, like, anywhere six to 10 times a night like that. In addition to what else he can actually like achieve on the floor. I think like 20 plus is a lock for sure. And then like, that's why I'm settling on 22. I'm trying to be a little bit more conservative with it when I want to be like 24, 25, like super gung ho with it. I'll go 22. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. 20.3. Um, Jabari. T all right. All right. Jabari. TS off. I'll do, I'll do Jabari. I'm going to say 13.6 uh, points per game. And 8.1 rebounds. 13 and 8. 13 and a half and 8. Okay. I really also want to, I'm going to be, I could be a total dick and be like 13.5 points per game. No. No, <laughs> just, no but we're not just, playing prices right. You know? I know, right? Um, no, I, I think somewhere in that range is like really close. I, I'm, I'll just say like a, an easier, I'm not going to do the, the decimals here. I'll do, I'll do 14 and 8. Like, Pretty much your prediction. I, I see that. I like that. Um, let me add an an additional category here. Threes per game for Jabari. Made or three? Like, like, no, made, made. Made. Um, I'll say 2.4. All right. I like that. I, I'll say like 2.8. Like I was thinking like, oh, like close to three threes a game. I just think he's going to get so many attempts from there. Playing off of Jalen, KPJ, all that. Um, it's going to be fun to like revisit this and be like, we're just completely off base or like right on the well, money. There you go. That's why you do predictions because it's fun. All right. All right. He, so, he talked me into it. So, um, Kevin, points and assists. Scoot. Scooter. 18 and seven. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> there we go. Finally got one. No. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I'm not expecting him to like eclipse 20 a night. And I don't think he needs to, right? Like for him to be the version of what we want him to be for this team, he doesn't need to be like 20 plus score, you know, let Jalen handle that, right? And then he can be the guy that's facilitating, right? He can turn it on some nights, but 18 and seven feels like some good benchmarks for him. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna look just like Jalen, there's gonna be those nights where they go crazy. There's gonna be those nights where they're off and it's quiet. There's gonna be those in-betweeners, you know? So it's just hard. Like putting up 20 a night means- Stay, stay hard, baby. Very hard. <laughs> Putting up 20 a night is pretty serious. I mean, you're put, I mean, you know, you are consistently obviously scoring in 20. So like when you get to 22, 24, it's like, you gotta, you gotta imagine that the floor for them is like a bad game is like 16, you know, is a bad game for Jalen 16 right now. Only if he's getting the shot attempts, which, which he's going to, that's the other part. Well, is we'll, it like, we'll he's, see though. He's, we'll see though. Cause we saw the preseason, 
without Jabari and half of it without Shangun and 75% of it also without, like I said, Jabari, but also without Eric Gordon. So like just by virtue of there's a lot of shots to go around, you know, you need a lot of shots to, to drop 22 a night. Is he going to get enough of those? I don't know. He might not get enough to drop 20. I mean, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have averaged 17 if he didn't get 21 shots a night to close the last seven games of the season, you know? So, which in some ways balances out because there were nights where he didn't get enough attempts, you know, but we'll see. Um, okay. So wins and losses. And then we'll I said 18, seven, you never gave an official prediction unless you're also 18, saying 18, no, 18 and seven. That's what I mean. All right. Like, all right. Cool. All right. Like cool. 15 cool. Cool. And six. So I think it's re- 15 point, like six or something in six. So I think, a roughly a couple, a couple points, maybe slightly over a couple points. And then one more assist. I think that's reasonable. All right. Um, so if we're doing wins and losses, um, I suck at math. So I'm going to ignore the losses column. I'm just going to say the wins. I'm going to say 28 wins. Um, I'm going to say 25. Okay. I'm All right. So a, li- a little bit of space between our answers. I like it. Yeah. 25 and 57. So you're 20, saying 28 and 54. I'll trust you on that. Yeah. I, I, I don't like carrying the one or doing any of that stuff. It sucks. Um, yeah. So 28 wins here, 25 wins for the Mastodon. All right, we got our predictions in, and we can uh, laugh at ourselves months down the line when we come back and we're like, wow, these takes were just so terrible. Drop your predictions in those comments. Oh, yeah, this is that's that's a whole thing. Go comment on the YouTube show. Tell us, you know, are you happy that we're doing State of the Rockets again? Let us know if you're excited to see us back. We're, we're happy to bring this back to you again. We, we're getting through the offseason. Off season. There were a couple points where, like, you know, we thought maybe we'll fire it back up, but we didn't want to just fire it up just for the sake of, doing it. Um, we wanted it to be relevant, good content. And hopefully that's what we brought for you here today. Some good discussion about the Rockets, about Kevin Porter Jr., about the center situation between Alper and Shingun, Bruno Fernando, preseason thoughts, and just, you know, the hopes heading into the season. And the fact that, again, the culture feels different. The vibes feel a, little, a lot different than they did last year surrounding the team. There's a lot of hope and optimism for what these young guys can really be together. So yeah, Hopefully you're enjoying it. We're going to have this show back to you. We don't know the frequency quite just yet. We're going to figure it out. Roosh is a busy man. I'm a busy man. But we love doing this show together. We love bringing you the premier Houston Rockets podcast on the market. Any and last words, Mastodon? Yeah, we do Rockets watch all the damn time, every day. You'll either get myself, Jackson, Clutch fans, or some combination thereof. So if you want daily Rockets content, hit us up on Twitter. Find out how to get to playback. Or just follow Rockets Watch on Twitter, Jackson. Maybe put it in the. Yeah, it'll be. I'll, I'll have links link. to everything in the yeah. in the comments, so there will be a link to the Rockets Watch Twitter Twitter account. There will also be a direct link to the Rockets Watch room. So if you're not a Twitter person, if you've never had a Twitter or whatever, just click that second link, and it'll take you directly to the room. You can sign up. It's totally free. You don't have to pay a dime. All you need to do if you want to watch Rockets games with us is you need to be able to verify somehow that you have a cable provider, either a cable provider or a streaming service, whatever. Xfinity, AT&T, League Pass, whatever it is. However you watch the games legally, you can watch the games with us in Rockets Watch and interact with hundreds of other Rockets fans, and it is a ton of fun. Yeah, we do pre-games and halftimes and a little bit of post-game too, so it's like, it's just all-inclusive, no wristband needed. Till the next time. Till the next time, you can follow the Mastodon on Twitter at Roosh Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin. We sincerely appreciate you for rocking with us, checking out the show. Again, we're going to be back on a more consistent basis doing the show because, again, Roosh and I love being able to talk hoop together. Uh, until then, follow us on all the socials, all that good stuff. Hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. Uh, leave a comment. It helps us out a ton, and that's going to do it for us. Peace. A double.